Hi, this is Jonathan, and I play the human wizard, Jonathan the Magimuscular. Hi, I'm Jack. I play Trevancore, a half-elf Beastmaster Ranger. Hi, this is John. I play your half-orc barbarian, Carlton Tanks. Hi, this is Julia. I play the rock gnome cleric, Bernice Q. Burns. And I am Lauren, your humble DM, and welcome to Dungeon Drunks. Distinguished adventurers last time on Dungeon Drunks. After spending several days on the Isle of Dread in the elemental plane of water, our heroes have discovered a good chunk of information about Silver Gurloth, the ancient topaz dragon they believe has taken possession of the Olam Harp they are searching for. As the morning arrives, it's time to decide on a plan of action. And that is where we begin tonight. Welcome to Dungeon Drunks. I'm your DM Lauren. You might know me as Oboe. I have juice. Because I've spent all day cleaning and reorganizing my office because I needed to, and I basically showered and got ready right before this game, and so I'm having juice because I'm thirsty and I need more vitamin C. Jonathan, what are you drinking? Hey, this is Jonathan, and I play Jonathan the Man Muscular, and tonight my pregame uh, was this Barefoot Hard Seltzer. This is a wine-based hard seltzer. It's hmm. It's okay. It's probably you'd probably like it if you didn't like the uh, the truly lemonades. This is a bit drier, not quite as sweet, but still a little sweet. And it's it ain't bad. But the drink du jour, since we are a couple of days away from New Year's Eve and the end of 2020, good bless. But I mean, let's let's be honest. It wasn't the year that was the problem. It was all the societal issues and the uh, the vast uh, misappropriation of wealth and resources, and uh, just uh, all of that was just laid bare for because of the failure of management at the at every level, from the city to the state to the federal. Anyway, prosecco. Also, also, <laughs> uh, cheers and bless unto that. But please keep going. Uh, prosecco. I have prosecco, and I am putting it into my lovely officiant mug. One of the top top uh, bits of of uh 2020 if not the top bit i think so i have had prosecco many times but let's have a taste it is definitely cheap prosecco <laughs> and this shot of fireball <laughs> to be consumed at the first casting of fireball or the equivalent spell thereof is dedicated to a longtime friend sheree reeves yay artist, yay! artist from down under she is wonderful sheree is great and sheree mentioned that that uh there was a road trip coming up and that Dungeon Drunks would feature into it. So thank you. And this shot of Fireball is for you. I also like to imagine that she's going to hear that shot many months after said catch yeah. up on the show. <laughs> well, Cherie, it's time for another road trip. If you're listening to this, just go ahead and get in the car. And you might be at work. You might be, you know, waking up. Just grab those car keys and drive. Just get out of there. <laughs> It's just time go. to just go. We're just we're telling you to go. It's that time. I'm trying to think. We'll probably miss the road trip, but it won't be too long after the road trip. Anyway, Carlton, what are you drinking? So this is John here, Carlton. We were at Target post Christmas. You know, hitting at them clearance sales as you do, uh, and I found Coca Cola California Raspberry, which I've never seen before. Whoa! I've had that before. I've had raspberry. It- I thought it, there's a raspberry and there's a peach in the in the glass bottles. What do you think? It's kind of like a cherry Coke, but a little bit more tart. So it's not bad at all. Yeah, I really like that. If you can find the peach, I like the peach too. I was just excited because I'm I'm a fan of any time it's real cane sugar in the glass bottles. I think that that Coke just tastes better that way uh, than, you know, high fructose corn syrup. You use what grows locally. 
<laughs> and and apparently in America, high fructose corn syrup grows everywhere. Well, Travancore. you grow a lot of corn. Yep. That, this is very true. Travancore, what are you drinking? Good people of Faerun. Travancore's choice this evening is lychee uh, juice drink from Maza, which is a Indian brand, but it could be a Belgian brand that I've seen throughout India. It's hard to tell. I don't have the bottle with me, but I combined it because sugar. I combined it with a lot of... Uh, Deer Park sparkling water, and I put it in a cup that I have no emotional attachment towards down the hatch. I Cheers. do that too. I'm glad I was the only one who did like seltzer and like a, a little bit of like lemonade or a, a thing because it's like you don't want all that sugar, but you do want a little. Yeah, just enough for for a taste of it. Like the whole thing Crystal Light's based on, I think, just a little bit of flavor for your mostly water. And yeah. let me ask, I have to know if California raspberries sing like their dried grape counterparts. Not when I'm done with them. Gulp. <laughs> I mean, because I heard it through the grapevine. <sighs> no. I feel like there's like the store brand version of the California raisins is the California craisins. <laughs> oh, yeah. Or like the Nevada craisins. Like the one Nev- state over like Nevada. The Nevada yeah. craisins. You know what, Jules? Tell me about your drink. What are you drinking? And is it California Craisins? It's not California <laughs> Craisins, but now I'm sad it's not. Um, I bought this drink specifically with Jack in mind. This is, oh. it is an apple strudel cider. Strudel cider? Apple strudel cider. Ooh, wow. I want to eat that. I don't want to drink it. It's from <laughs> Ernest Cider. Gently sweetened with honey and spiced with cinnamon, the lingering warmth of this handcrafted cider will warm you up on a cold fall or winter night, and it's very pretty. It's like the perfect kind of hybrid, I feel like, of Bernie and Travancore, because it's like apple strudel cider, and it's also got little tiny bumblebees all over the can. Oh, that's... Wow. We, before lockdown, made a last trip to the LCPO, and I always feel like I always worry a little bit going in there, because we always... By like we don't like to go on a lot of trips to places if we have to go inside so we like buy for like two months while we're in there and i'm like i promise you this is it's gonna take us a while to drink all of this like <laughs> and of course i have it in my wonderful groom's person mug. oh wow it smells really good i'm worried it's gonna be really sugary like i like sweet ciders but i don't want like i like a drier cider sometimes mm. well so oh that's good yay it evokes apple strudel, but it doesn't like it doesn't feel like you're drinking something that is like artificially created at like it's not like someone's like, we're gonna make an apple pie drink and we're just going to make it in a lab. No, it's got like it's got the spices and the aromas, but it's not like artificial. It's just really nice. Awesome. You know who's also really nice? All of you, as you wake up this morning in the town of Elderwood. You had a very long, very interesting, very emotional talk yesterday with uh, one of the elders of the town that you got a chance to meet, and uh, they give you a whole bunch of information. Mindrandis Nightbreeze gave you a whole bunch of information about basically the dragon and what they think might be going on and some hints and clues about how to deal with it depending on the situation and what they think. Not long after that, you returned to one of the the huts that's available for everybody to grab some sleep in and got yourself a long rest. And it is now the next morning. And I would like to know what you up to. So we're 
Going to the dragon, right? Yeah, we're going to the dragon. Uh, I guess as we get up, uh, Jonathan's actually going to go, hey, uh, Travancore. Yo, don't mind blank me. Uh, listen, I'm really sorry about uh, yesterday and the unexpected uh, mind blank on you. I'll, I'll make sure to ask next time. I'm sorry. We're, we're cool. I've made plenty of mistakes on my end. No big. Ah, well, that's good. And then Carlton walks over and just kind of bends his head down to Jonathan. Jonathan does <laughs> not break eye contact with Travancore as he reaches over. Ta-ta! Consent <laughs> is important. I, I agree. And I, I, I violated that trust. So I, I will do better next time. Thank you. Hey, man. <laughs> All right. Dragon time, huh? Dragon time. Dragon time. So we can talk about this more because it's going to take us a little bit to get over there. But I think the plan is to show up, say what we want, make an offer, and fully expect to get stabbed in the back on our way out. admitting that we're going to probably have to fight this dragon i think we're going to have to fight this dragon we'll obviously play it by ear and we we're intelligent people so if if we could get out of there with the deal intact then somehow then that's great maybe things go our way today i really hope so but uh all right let's gather up and then we'll mount up i checked the the uh the uh the token is fully charged one thing, and Travancore can confirm this, it's going to be a tough fight if we fight him in his lair. In her lair. Her lair. Can confirm. You've been hearing a him. Okay. So, if we need to bail, I'm going to keep the spell available so we can bamf out. But I think if we do that, we're going to see an attack on the town. I think... We have to prevent an attack on the town at all costs. Okay. We didn't come here by accident. We came here on purpose. And it would be horrible of us to leave them vulnerable, especially because they've lived for so long without... I mean, they live in a dangerous place. I'm not going to lie. But they have found a way to make it safe for them. And if we came here and just essentially just crashed headlong into everything they've built for themselves, this one's on us. Mm. So we have to make the decision that whatever happens, the priority is that this dragon does not attack the deck. Okay. Whatever it takes. I'll keep that in mind. How many diamonds does Bernie have? I don't know. You tell me. I want to say three because you used one I think on it's me. Three, yeah. Maybe two actually. Because oh, you had, did you have five originally or four? You had four originally, right? We had four. I used so one. So you only have two left because you used one on the uh, one of the members of the tribe, and then you used one on me. Okay, two people can die today. I think that's a fair. Like... <laughs> Listen, we, uh, only one of us has been uh, invited for a sleepover with death. So yeah, let's 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 keep it that way. All right. Shall we mount up? <laughs> the only thing I could think to offer this dragon, I think he's far too short-sighted for this, is the potential trade avenue from having this plane of existence opened up to the material plane. There's no way he has that foresight if Mithrandus is to be believed to be able to take advantage of that, though. Right. No, he would just attack anyone that comes. That would mean that he would not only be watching the seas for storms, he would be watching the teleportation circle. 
and I can foresee him showing up at the t- teleportation circle, uh, demanding stand and deliver. Tribute. Yeah, yeah. I, I really, yeah, I don't want this fool showing up at a... We, we don't need a bully here. So do we even go through the motions of negotiating? What do we have to offer? This nice, inanimate carbon rod. I th- I'm going to offer him Leonard's exile. Okay. I'm going to see if what he says. And, uh, I mean, if worse comes to worse, I'll just get it off his dead body. It's fair. I'll add my wand of polymorph to the mix. Could be useful to a dragon, or at least a being under its thrall or something. Just something for the for the pile. Okay. All right. We all know the uh, the drill. I don't think we'll need to fly as high, so I don't think we'll need to keep as warm. But just in case, you might want to bring your winter clothes for uh, for the flight over. Yeah, that sounds like a good plan. All right. Is there a... So the rock is pretty big. Is there an area that we can take it to where it won't knock over someone's house? You're probably going to have to leave town. Your best bet is probably a stretch of the beach that isn't occupied. It is... The rock is considered gargantuan, Mm -hmm. which is... A very good size. So <laughs> you you think it's probably best to go not to where the piers are, but like a little further down the beach, kind of on the edge of, of town, but on the beach and clear the beach a little bit. And that should give you plenty of room. That'll also give the rock a launching off point, as it were. And if you try to do this in the canopy of the trees, you you're probably going to knock down some trees and there'll be there'll be some initial panic. So the beach is kind of your best bet. Yeah. As much as cool as it would be to have a, a park named for us called Rocks Flight out in the jungle where where the, all the trees are knocked down, let, we'll, we won't do that. Yeah. Let's not do that. Yeah, I yeah, no, let's that would be I don't bad. think any of us are that narcissistic to where we would think something like that was neat. All right. All right, heading for the beach. Heading for the beach. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you head down to the beach early in the morning, and it's bustling like it normally is. You head off the side, basically away from the interior of the island, down through the sandy beaches, and you do eventually find a stretch of beach that is large enough that should contain the rock without a problem. There are a couple of people who are fishing nearby, but it it doesn't take too much to convince them to give you at least a couple of minutes a little further down the way. Who's activating the token? Jonathan the Magimuscular uh, takes the token out and casts the magic word Leviosa, not Leviosa, and commands it to activate he kind of like gives it a spin in his hands uh you know like a top and it spins in the air and then becomes two feathers four feathers 16 feathers 144 feathers and just like transforms out into a giant rock jonathan i lost count how many feathers are we up to now i don't know i lost count too (laughs) But, but you're the perfect memory guy I'm the perfect muscle guy. I know. I got distracted. It's just so cool. It's, I, you know, I, yeah, yeah. But uh, I lost count. Carlton, give me a perception check. Perception is what I'm really good at now. Except for when I roll a natural one. No! Okay. Which is a 14. You got to eight feathers. 
And then it was just the beauty of this entire thing unfolding, watching this creature created out of almost nothing, literally just the one wooden feather that Jonathan activated. And it was such an amazing sight, even though you've seen it a couple of times now, it continues to be awe-inspiring in this gorgeous way, especially since it's creating a creature that you know is going to be friendly and not harm anybody, that yeah, you get to six feathers and it's like, oh, nope, now, now there's too many feathers. Sorry. And you have a rock. We're on an island. <laughs> yes, I'm going to be singing this song the whole time. It is standing there obediently waiting for instruction. And what would you like to do? Is everyone climbing aboard and you're just taking off? Yeah, we're going we're gonna to hop on. Jonathan the Metamuscular is going to give it the heading that uh, we figure is correct. And if... If it looks at me quizzically when I try and describe north and south, I'll say uh, that way. Just go that way. It does have this moment as it's as you climb on top and then it starts to spiral up into the air. It flies over the ocean and gets a little bit of height in order to soar over the island without too many problems. And Jonathan, you you can almost feel as it's spiraling that it's having this the same issues that you are having of it's not feeling a magnetic pull. It's not sensing a directional change. It is just open sky and land and ocean, but it obediently sees the direction you point in and starts to head inland. Uh, as you fly over, all of you very clearly can see that the the town below you, anybody outside, is now watching in awe as this gargantuan, epic bird that many of them are familiar with living on this island, that there is the one, but this is probably the first time many of them have ever seen it up close, and certainly flying over the town as it soars over and then heads in inland into the canopy. And it is actually kind of a nice day. Uh, you do not need any of your winter clothes. It is still a, a warm, almost tropical day, especially up above the tree line. There is no sun out, but the sky is bright blue and clear. Just a couple of little puffy clouds here and there as you as you fly. And visibility is excellent. And so, in fact, everybody give me perception check. Except for Shadow, who I'm going to say is... Because he does not have hands, he's having to be a little more cautious about his placement on the bird, and so is concentrating on staying on the back of this bird. The rest of you can grab handfuls of, of feathers and look around. Bucks is going to be in his uh, pocket dimension for the flight. Okay. And Jonathan the Medge Muscular gets a 12. Yeah, 10 for Travancore. 28 for Carlton. Bernie got a 13. All right. All of you are gazing around as the, the rock flies. It's heading mostly straight inland and then slightly off to the right, as that's the corner of the island that you have been told that the lair of this dragon is. You think it's going to take like a good hour, maybe a little bit longer to get across the island. This is a flight that is taking you through some dangerous territory and would have been a lot more difficult to get through on foot because you don't see any footpaths, especially once you get away from the town. But it is, it's still 
quite the distance. And so most of you are looking down, looking around at your surroundings, watching the town fade in the distance, looking forward to where the the edge of this island is that you suspect the dragon might be living. Carlton thinks about scanning the horizon. You see two things. You see two things on the horizon that are of interest and a bit of a surprise. One, in the direction that you are headed, you can just barely see the edge of the island that you're heading to. And there's a faint glimmer in the ocean that you're not quite sure what it is. There's almost like a, a brighter, a bright blue glimmer in this dark blue ocean. And you're not sure if something is bouncing off the light in just the right way, because you're still maybe like, at this point, 30 minutes away. The other thing you notice is that you get closer. This whole area of the island is starting to become shrouded in fog. And it's a strange fog. It's not rolling off the ocean or rolling off the, the taller mountain peaks, anywhere where you would suspect fog to be emanating from. And it's not burning off in the way that you expect. While there is no sun, there's light and heat, and this fog should be dissipating as the temperature warms, as the air warms and moves. But the fog is staying very close to the ground, and it's almost as if, Carlton, you can see it seeping up from the ground to just sit on top. And so anytime you see like a little clearing in the trees or you're able to, to look through clumps of trees to the ground, you just see it's not even a thick mist as much as it's just permeating everything and making everything obscured. And it's thick enough that you can't see the actual jungle floor. It's not like a cloud sitting on the ground. And it just, it looks odd. It's not natural. I point this out and they're like, something ain't right about that fog. Something's off. Do you point out the sparkly thing? Ooh, shiny. Do we want to go see what the shiny thing is? I mean, like, what if it's something that we could theoretically trade to the dragon? Sure, we'll head over that way. As I'm sure air is flowing and uh, making talking a little difficult. Uh, yeah, I direct the rock to the shiny thing. Uh, we should have cast Telbond. Okay, the shiny thing is out in the ocean past the island. So basically you'd be, you think if the map is correct and the general I idea of where the layer is is correct, you'd actually be flying over it to go to the ocean to see what this is and, and then circle back around if that's okay you know or you can tell the rock to do a wide berth like you, you still don't see any obvious signs of a a layer and you don't know exactly where it is this is just by going by what's on your map at the moment but we should like we have plenty of time on the rock right i mean we could we can afford oh, yeah, you got the eight, yeah it's, it's eight hours right I think so. Let me let me double check. Is Jonathan able to cast Telebon right before we go do the dragon stuff? We should take ten minutes at some point, right? I could probably do it on probably the while uh, we're rock. Flying, right? yeah. yeah, yeah. The rock is big enough that all of you are kind of comfortably seated, and 
while it's a fast moving creature, you're all a little used to it at this point. So I'd say, yeah, if you wanted to take 10 minutes on the back of a rock, you absolutely could. I believe it's good for eight hours or a certain mileage. <laughs> Your mileage may vary. And if that's the case, then yes, you've more than enough to to get there. You could circle this island a couple of times. Yeah, so it is, let's see, the bird has the statistics of a rock, but obeys your simple commands and can't attack. It can carry up to 500 pounds while flying at its maximum speed, 16 miles an hour for a maximum of 144 miles a day with a one hour rest for every three hours of flying, flying or 1,000 pounds at half that speed. The bird disappears after flying its maximum distance for a day, or if it drops below zero hit points. So, okay, so it can fly 144 miles. And while this is a large island, it's not going to be more than that. Getting across the island, the problem with it was mostly the dense undergrowth and the fact that nobody has gone to this area of the island because there's a dragon's lair. So you would have to have cut your way through the jungle in order to get into this general area, which is why it could have taken days of travel by foot. But as you're flying, this, nah, this isn't too bad. So would you like to just directly over where the layer is marked on the map? Or are you going to end run around? What would you like to do? Uh, I figure if we've got the time, yeah, let's not go directly over it. Let's see if we can like do a couple of flybys and see see what we can see. Carlton, what are your yes. orc eyes seeing? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, just watched the loops. I mean, we, we've got we've got the the ranger and the barbarian, and I'm gonna okay. If bucks were to be popped out of the pocket dimension, how would he fare? on the back of a rock because he's a tiny owl and there's a lot of air coming off i mean we're able to hold on but he's he's a little a little thing and i wouldn't want him to get like you know not be able to keep up so he would probably be okay as long as he was concentrating on holding on kind of the same way shadow is strong enough that he's fine and big enough. The problem is he doesn't have any opposable thumbs, so he can't grip anything. So he's having to use the the bulk, his bulk and his dexterity to to remain stable on top of the creature. Bucks would have different problems. Yeah, he's small. Uh, you're currently flying at 120 feet per uh, round. Because that is so the every six speed. seconds. So every six seconds. You're going uh, 240 feet because the rock is double moving. Right. So that's a lot of bugs in my face. Yeah, super. Well, you're high enough that you're not really getting too many bugs. Every once in a while, another bird goes flying on by and there's a lot of squawking. It's like, what the fuck? There's a lot of, there's a lot of angry, panicked squawking. You think as long as Bucks basically did nothing but concentrate on holding on either to you or to feathers or to whatever would probably be okay. But if Bucks lost his grip and fell off the rock, obviously he can fly. It's not as dangerous as the rest of you. However, the rock would have to stop. There's no way Bucks could keep up. There'd be zero possibility of Bucks keeping up at all. So there would be that, that pause. So it's kind of up to you and Bucks what you want to do, whether you want him out or not. I mean, you do have options if he was to, to fall off. Not only is he probably not in danger because he can fly, but you can just snap him back into the pocket 
dimension that he comes from. It's less danger and more inconvenience, I'm going to say. Right. <laughs> and also the moment of Bucks being like, ah! No, no, let's not. I don't want that to happen to Bucks. Yeah, I, I wouldn't <laughs> want that to happen to Bucks, Bucks either. So, so yeah, we'll. I'll keep him in the in the deal, and we'll just rely on our on our yield Elvenoid eyes. All right. So you can go. You've decided you're not going to go straight through. You're going to circle around where the general area of this dragon's lair is. You can either go up the coast to your right or, or go further inland to your left. Which would you prefer? Let's go around the ocean, I would say. All right. So up the coast? Off the coast, yeah. All right. The rock obediently obeys your command and angles more towards the the coast. You see the the rocky kind of cliffed face that you'd seen when you first arrived. This is not sandy beaches. This is the higher portion of the island that is well away from the cliff face and the ocean below. And so as the rock swoops overhead, instead of a, a nice warm sandy beach, you see sheer cliffs easily 80, 90, 100 feet up above crashing waves as the island literally and figuratively comes to a point up here. If the island is a, an inverted triangle, this is the point on the right-hand side, and it is well above the, the spray of the ocean. The rock swoops around, and as you crest the side of this island and, and start to head still along the coast more towards the inland portion, you can all now see what Carlton was pointing out is actually a coral reef under the waves. Not terribly deep, but massive. And not just a beautiful, vibrant reef filled with life, but you're pretty sure that instead of the normal colors of coral that you can find, not even the bleached white of dead coral, this is a vibrant topaz color, a bright blue that almost is glass-like, although it doesn't have that same shine. And it's just all over the ocean floor. As it's closer to the the side where the cliff face is, it actually comes up almost to the island. And so the ocean here, either there's island right under the the waves or the ocean itself doesn't drop off quite so fast. You're not sure. But this reef is at least close to the island, very close to the surface, maybe six or seven feet below the water at most. And with the bright uh, light of the sky, with it being full daytime, with there being this this clear view, especially once you get over the, the weird fog on the ground, and the brilliance of this coral, it sparkles even through several feet of water. Uh, hey, Bernie, uh, what color would you say that coral is? Um, topaz. And, and what kind of dragon were we looking for? Topaz. So do you think that that's like the ancestral graveyard, like elephant graveyard? Um, you know, I actually... Because coral isn't normally topaz. Here's, here's something. I know I know a lot of things. Marine biology is not one of them. Um, oh, okay, okay, I'm okay. I'm a okay. rock gnome, and the fact that I know how to swim is actually quite an accomplishment in and of itself. 
However, Travancore? Yeah, yeah. So Travancore, uh, what color is that reef? That is a topaz reef. And what kind of dragon were we looking for? We are looking for a topaz dragon. So do you think that that's like an elephant graveyard type situation where like all the other topaz dragons were buried and they made a coral reef on top of it? What does Travancore's knowledge about dragons tell him about this? So topaz dragons are still a little new to you because up until recently you thought that they were a myth. Uh, stories told to scare other dragons. However, uh, as you've learned more about this specific one and as kind of thought through the what you've remembered and the lore that you've learned of dragons over the last couple of years, you don't think this is a graveyard. You don't think this is the kind of thing that, especially considering how how much of a loner this dragon seems to be, how much it does not want to hang out with anybody. The fact that even if there was a a mate, a child, a elder, you know, another one of its kind, you don't think this is the kind of thing that would inspire a even a proper burial at sea or anything like that. Um, however, you do know very well that... Powerful dragons, old dragons, they shape the world around them. Their connection to the weave and their innate magical essence as they become old enough to be terrors and massive creatures that inspire legends, they actually physically alter the land around their layers. And while you've never encountered a topaz dragon, so you're unsure of what to expect, you do know a lot of the other dragons of Faerun do things almost subconsciously to protect their layers. It's not just their actual home, but for miles around their home, the landscape alters and changes. And so you wouldn't be surprised if this is just a clear indication that yeah, dragon lives around here somewhere. We are on the elemental plane of water. The majority of what is here is water. So it's not beyond their own possibility that this dragon's lair is... And then Travancore motions down towards the reef. So it's it's down there? Maybe. Can, can, they, can they breathe for that long? Under what? Do they have gills? That's the, the gills. Because whales just hold their breath for a long time. Technically, we can breathe underwater right now. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I believe one of the things you found out was that if Silver Girleth can at least hold their breath for an incredibly long time. Yeah. But more importantly, I believe he told you because of their swimming speed. Yes, so Mitrandius, one of the things that he knew was that, at least this dragon in specific, is a very ungainly poor flyer, but is very good at swimming. Is is basically a water creature who can fly. All right. We cannot engage this dragon in the water. Yeah, we'll be okay. We're gonna, we at least have to talk to him, and he's not gonna come out to meet us, probably. I mean, you don't know that. I don't, well, I don't know how to how to lure him out. Like, I'm not going to wave a shiny dagger and then he's going to detect it. Do we I see? I see it outside and yell, hey, dragon. What if you tried playing the dagger? Do we see, like, an entrance? Like, do we, like, since we're now focused on the topaz coral, does that kind of lead us to 
a big hole, like a like a big topaz hole in the in the ocean, or like a nearby cave that might be near the near the coast on some rocks. You can definitely take a look from where you're flying right now. It's it's a little hard to be able to make out enough detail. Uh, so you would you would probably either need to land in the water or land on the island near the water, and then you could definitely do some investigating. But and from, how high up are we? I will let you decide, but I'm gonna say that you're probably about. 80 to 100 feet above the ocean at this gotcha. point, about 50-ish above the land because the the island... It goes down, yeah. So about well, it 80 ascends. to 100. Yeah. Like this corner that you're on, the, the island actually goes up and up and up and up and up to a Great. literal point. Jonathan, I have an idea. Let me see the dagger real quick. No. What's the dagger? Why? I, I'm not going to throw it in the water. Are okay. you going to play it like a flute? Trying to ass pointedly. And I reach into the bag of holding and I go, rope. And I start pulling out the rope. We going fishing. Hi, Carlton, you know, that is an admirable idea. Let's see if there's an entrance. But I feel like at this moment. Because, like, we can't just wave the dagger. But if we, like, fish and he grabs onto it, then we got, then we got his attention. No, I feel like at this moment, if there were a god that ran this world, they might ask you to do an intelligence check on that idea. How about a god? I mean, you know what? I'm like, <laughs> it's his we can idea. Do both. Here, let's do this. Also, I seem to remember that he's got a bonus to his intelligence, so I don't know why you need God to make him do an intelligence saving throw. So, okay, <laughs> let's let's do a couple of things. I'll hand over the dagger upon the explanation, and I'm going to bamf out Bucks into my hands. I'm going to say, Bucks, if you could head down and scout around the coast. And see if you can see a cave entrance or anything like that that might indicate uh, where the Slayer more specifically is. Take take a take uh, take your time. We'll try and meet you so that you can report in. We'll I'll bring the the rock within range so you can uh, let me know how it's going. All right, you're or, going to hang on. Oh, wait ten minutes. And with Bucks in his hands, now Jonathan the Magimuscular is going to cast uh, a very telepathic bond. So it doesn't have to be. Within 100 feet, he can be anywhere and let us know. Okay. Are you just going to continue to circle on the rock? Yeah. Would you like to land somewhere? Or Nope. You're we'll just gonna... continue okay. to circle because we're going to give uh, uh, Carlton's fly fishing option. <laughs> fishing for dragons. A, a shot here. Might as well. We prepaid for guests. Yeah. All right. As uh, Carlton or as Jonathan. So you're putting the you're tying a rope to the dagger and you're throwing the dagger in the water and holding onto the rope. Yeah, basically. I'm fishing. Okay. I'm assuming you're using Occasionally, one of your... every now and then, I'll give it a little, like, jiggle, just so it's, you know... Okay. Let me... In order to not ruin your dreams, let me ask a couple questions. Leading <laughs> questions. One, I'm assuming you're using your 50 feet of hemp and rope, or are you tying multiples together? Multiples. Okay. How far... How much rope would you like to tie together? Uh, so if we're about 100 feet up, I will probably do... Uh, 150 because they're 50 foot increments. Yeah, Jonathan the Magimuscular submits his rope uh, for tribute. Uh, and then only cast over about 120 feet. And Jonathan the Magimuscular will guide the, the rock to about 50 feet over the water. And just to be on the safe side, I will tie the rope around my gut. Okay. Because you don't want to get rope burn. So we've got 150 feet of rope. So basically three lengths of rope ending on a waist of Carlton. 
on one end and a dagger on the other, a very powerful but small magical item. I need, just give me a dexterity check. Uh, that would be, for the audience at home, a six. Okay. You've tied all the lengths of rope. You've tied it around your waist. My other leading question is, so Jonathan is letting the rock basically come down to about 50 feet above the ocean with with the idea of the rock is going to rise and fall a little bit as the waves come in and come crashing. How fast would you like the rock to continue to move while you're doing this? We're going to slow down. We're going to slow down to his minimal flight speed. Like whatever he needs to stay aloft is what we're okay. going to do. Just we're going to go slow enough and not have a stall. Also, uh, it might help if uh, the Dexy Beast helps with the... Uh, and Jonathan, the Magimuscular, is going to insist that Travancore attach the dagger to the other end of the rope. As far as I know, Carlton is already taking care of all of that. Okay. That's what I'm going Great. to insist, and then I'm going to go and cast my spell. And Travancore, when you look over, uh, Carlton already is fishing with a dagger. Oi. Yeah. A little bit of a miss. You know, it's days like this, it would be nice to have a good ale up here, right? <laughs> All right, I'm going to say that the rock probably is vacillating between 20 and 40 uh, feet around. Like, it slowed down tremendously. But in order to stay safely above the waves, especially since there is a lot of strong headwind here uh, buffeting up against the the cliff face, that it's going to be a little variable, especially as it circles the ocean. But definitely slow enough that, Carlton, you're not feeling like any moment now if, if you got caught on something, like, you're just going to be yanked immediately. Especially going originally 120 feet around. But yeah, you drop it off. Are you attempting to do anything in specific? Or are you just dropping the dagger in the water and holding on the other end of the rope? Occasionally, like, I'll give it a little, like, shake just to kind of, like, let the glimmer of the sun hit the dagger and kind of spark. So, if, like, if something happens to be swimming by, maybe it catches a little glint here or there. going to lose my fucking okay. dagger here. Jeez. Yeah, yeah. You are. You are. It's I Bernie at some point looks over and goes, really hope you didn't like that dagger. I liked it uh, in between like motions and words. He's like, I liked it a lot, but. Well, too bad. Yeah. Uh, Bernie says, you know, I was just thinking about all the research that we did in order to get to this point and the effort that we put into talking to people in this town and understanding this dragon. And now that we're here. This is what we're doing. And I love the ridiculous, but I somehow feel like this is not a part of God's plan. I don't know. <laughs> Travancore, what are you doing in this moment as Bernie pontificates and Carlton Bernie, is fishing? Can Bernie talk and... to her god? Is that an option? I mean, you can always talk to your god. Whether they answer is a different question and depends upon whether you use one of the uh, specific powers you have at your disposal. But you can always talk to God. You're Are God. you going to augury this? <laughs> you know. Is what Carlton doing a very dumb idea? <laughs> Wait. <laughs> While Bernie thinks about this, Travancore, what are you doing? Well, I think since everyone else is doing something, Travancore is just going to keep an extra eye out to make sure that for movement, either from the island or from the water, to see if there's anything suspicious or anything that we should be concerned about. Okay. Go ahead and give me a perception check. Here we go. 25. All right. I will keep that in mind. Bernie, are you 
Are you consulting the auguries? Are you divinely interventioning? I Are can't you... really make a tea right now, can I? Like, I all no. my, my tools for talking to my... I'm not really in range if you when it comes to the components. Bernie's kind of pretty sure how this will go. She doesn't really need a wheel or woe here. She thinks that anything they do will turn out woe to some degree because I feel like maybe she's gonna pray. Like, we live in a world where gods are real, which means prayers can be answered. I don't know yep. if it's a religion check. It's it's no check. I just want, if you're just gonna pray, I would just like to hear you pray. And are you praying out loud? Are you playing, praying silently? How are she's you praying? She's praying silently. And it's very much, she's sitting there and she's got like two fingers on her nose, on the bridge of her nose. She's cross-legged. And uh, as as Jonathan Magimuscular has a thought, it's okay. If he loses the dagger, he's giving up his sword. And Bernie <laughs> sighs a deep existential sigh. And she says, Clean Bay hindsight is twenty twenty, but I'm not even sure it is at this moment. Can you what are we doing here? I we need this instrument to prevent this one dragon from God knows what. We have a grumpy dragon below the water. I don't want to go back below the water. I, this is a lot of whining. I know it's a lot of whining. I just... I spent all this time looking for an avenue so we don't have to fight this fucking dragon. And it looks like we're going to fight this fucking dragon. Look, I, the dagger thing, you know it's not going to work. I know it's not going to work. But it sure as shit makes Carlton happy. You look over and he's got this giant shit-eating grin on his face. <laughs> and she's, you just, she's just bay. Look, I don't know if this qualifies as a miracle or not. Maybe a minor one. If you can make this fucking dagger trick work. I don't want to fight this dragon. Maybe he'll come out and we'll talk to him. But maybe he won't. And maybe we'll fight him in the sky. And maybe nobody, maybe no one has to die today. That would be really nice. Bernie, go ahead and roll a religion check for me. Alright, it's gonna be shit, because my last roll was shit. Woof. That's a 12. So, you always feel the presence of your goddess, especially at the, the level of devotion that you are. There is always the sense that she is in some infinitesimal way with you. But in this moment, as you pray for guidance, you are reminded of some wise words from a, a plane far away in where um, the question is asked, does God answer all prayers? And the answer is yes. It's just sometimes the answer is no. And so you don't get anything specifically back, but it's not as if this is not a unusual thing. Your goddess trusts and is confident in you as always but does not give you a response as carlton needs you to make a dexterity saving throw bernie just sighs and she goes you're enjoying this do i see it coming you do not oh dear <laughs> for those of you listening and watching at home that's a seven well that's just <laughs> pride travancore yeah because of your excellent perception check from earlier I'm going to describe what you see in this moment as okay. Jonathan is finishing up 
mere moments away from the uh, Rary telepathic bond as Bernie seems to finish praying with a a little bit of a sigh as Carlton continues to grin and fish with a dagger. And you're keeping an eye out for everything, but you're also cognizant enough to try to keep an eye on the dagger. It's almost impossible. This thing is a shard of black glass in a literal ocean of water and topaz. But you're moving at just the right speed and you're keenly aware of the area around you, especially with this being a dragon's lair. You're almost hyper aware of everything. And so you watch as the the dagger is being pulled through the water and it's almost as if it is a fish because of its f- form and shape and how it's being pulled. It actually weaves through the water in this jerking manner as it is pulled and yanked and it slams up against the coral. As it has a couple of times in the last 10 minutes, but this time... It lodges, and you very clearly watch as the second knot, so a hundred feet up of rope, that was the last pull it needed, and it just comes loose. And you and your companions and the rock and 50 feet of rope start to fly away as you continue to look at the other length of this rope and a dagger plunged, stuck into the side of a topaz coral reef. Oh shit, John's gonna be mad and I dive. <laughs> oh god. Okay. Uh, yep. Into six feet of water? It's a little bit more than that, but it's more that you're 50 feet above it. Okay. Carlton? We here at Dungeon Drunks are huge fans of Idle Champions of the Forgotten Realms. It's a Dungeons & Dragons strategy video game that brings together D&D characters from novels, adventures, and multiple live streams into one single grand adventure. It is so much fun to put together a formation that includes champions from our favorite D&D streams, books, and Faerun's lore. Every week there's something new happening, and the game is available on almost any platform. Need some loot to gear up your champions? We're happy to offer a free Electrum chest to all of our listeners. This week's code expires on March 28th at 8pm Pacific. So open up the game, go to the shop, and type in this code. B-O-K-E-T-R-O-G-B-I-S-E So use that code and let us know on Twitter or Instagram what goodies you got. And now, enough of the loot drops, back to the show. Carlton, roll me a dexterity saving. Hold throw. on. Have I come out of my spell spell yet? Why can't I do dex saves today? Not yet, no, Jonathan. You're finishing well, this up. But if okay. you'd like to... I will say this. If you finish it, you'll include Carlton in the rare telepathic bond. If you drop it, you can have a reaction right now, but then you'll have to uh, start the 10 minutes all over again. I may have something for Carlton. Go for it. All right, so I think I have enough time to summon conjure animals and make sure there is an animal ready to catch Carlton as soon as he hits the water. Is it a reaction? Ooh, that's a good question. Let's see here. It's an action. No, not reaction. Then no. If you have a reaction in this moment, or if you would like to dive in after him, I will let someone do that. Jonathan the Magimuscular's eyes open wide. He he stops the spell, and he hits Carlton with a feather fall. Okay. 
Carlton, you are swan diving into the ocean. And oh, that coral reef is coming up really fast. Oh, no, it's not coming so fast. And you just kind of gently. You fucking idiot. It I'm, looked deeper than it was from above. I'm going to murder him. I'm going to kill him. I have two diamonds. I'll kill him twice, and I'll bring him back to life, and maybe I'll just kill him a third time, and who the fuck cares <laughs> what happens? Oh, this, really? You couldn't say anything about this? This is not what I asked for! <laughs> I will say also in this moment, because because Jonathan had to stop one spell in order to do the reaction. And you've seen him do Featherfall enough. If anyone wants to jump in after Carlton, I'll let them get hit with the Featherfall too. Uh, no. 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 Don't reward. Warren, I made my bed. I, I'm swimming in it. We, what, I will tell you one thing, things we don't reward. Maybe this is why Bay didn't listen because Bernie kept talking about not healing stupidity and Bay's like, well, I'm not rewarding you for this idiocy. Don't reward <laughs> stupidity here. So he can swim around with the coral wreath who knows if the coral has lots of poisonous little fish with little spiny things on him, going to bite him. And maybe there's a dragon in there. Maybe Carlton's going to get eaten by a dragon today. Wouldn't that be a plot twist? Can't bring someone back when they're being digested. Uh, Jonathan the Magimuscular uh goes off and uh he it's as if he put like a little moat of power right where Carlton like dove off he runs through it as well giving himself the featherfall and uh he slowly drops after him all right bernie looks over at Travancore and goes they, <laughs> and she goes they all deserve to die and as as jonathan is going off like no i got this oh so Travancore looks at bernie right in the eye and says Play stupid games, win stupid prizes. Win stupid prizes. This is, you know what the biggest prize is going to be? It's going to be, what's that dragon's name? Oh, I'm sorry. Silver Girl. Silver Girl. Silver Girl. Uh, Can't we just have a dragon named Jim? Make it nice and easy for us. For all you campaign. know, that's his nickname. Campaign two. I almost called that dragon Gavrilo Princeps. <laughs> and and the black hand comes shooting from the ocean and lobs oh, a grenade at Carlton's car. Oh no! Silver throws the rock in reverse, and thus the world war. I'm gonna go burn out on the rock. <laughs> Just gonna ruin the day for a bunch of Habsburgs, aren't you? Oh, jeez. <laughs> uh, we're, we're coming right back around to this, aren't we? <laughs> Bernie and Travancore, and I'm assuming Shadow, although yeah, I don't Shadow's know. Still, Shadow's still on the bird. Okay. Oh, right before Jonathan dives in, he shoves Bucks into Bernie's arms. and then So Bernie is holding like a very scared, fluttering Bucks, and she's like, <laughs> just said your, 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 your soul connection, the person who you are magically and spiritually connected with on this plane deserves to die. Yep, and, and you I'm... look down at this little pygmy owl, which is the representation of a celestial that is bonded with Jonathan, and the big wide eyes are just staring right into your soul. And she says, I meant it. And, <laughs> and the claws dig into your hands just a little bit. She's like, I got two diamonds. If you want to fix this, you could buy me another one when we get back to favor. So, technical question. <laughs> sure. This rock is still up in the air. Doesn't need anyone to fly it. Cool. So, Good. as far as I remember, the spell says that it is friendly to you and your companions. Oh, I'm a companion. Yeah, I, so I, it's not I hope like that me saying Jonathan is going to die doesn't make me not a companion. 
Wait, is it just an automatic rock or a stick shift rock? Because I can't drive stick shift rocks. <laughs> it's a, it's a new rock. It has uh it has auto uh, auto lane um oh. stain and uh and uh, <laughs> a a little, just enough of an autopilot. You still got to keep your Does hands it on the wheel. Squawk when it starts going drifting. <laughs> I, I didn't know before, but I learned how to drive stick when I was at a rock dealership. There you go. Wow. There you go. All right. Uh, Jonathan, look up for me Art real quick. Life. I'm I am willing to say that the rock is friendly to you and your companions and if it doesn't say anything specifically like that i'm pretty positive it doesn't say anything about it being hostile and i think it, it is says per- the bird has and obeys your simple commands so okay. whatever i told it last it's still doing so it's circling and i'm gonna say it is friendly to you and your companions yeah it doesn't say that it's not, not. it just yeah. i don't think it'll do what they say but that's fine i'm, I'm gonna be right back try you're not sure it's definitely not gonna it's not gonna turn on you you know that for sure but it is very possible for the next couple hours you're just gonna be circling 50 feet above well no no i'm gonna be back a lot sooner than that so jonathan is gonna tell carlton he's like carlton grab the fucking rope and then grab me well that that's the plan so carlton has landed and sunk into the ocean or i don't know i don't know if you're floating uh jonathan will be there momentarily because featherfall ends once i land yeah right uh, yes you land safely you take no damage and then but i mean you're still a buoyant person so whether you sink into the ocean or continue to swim on the surface is completely up to you do you bob on the surface or are you going i might as well get a look while i'm down here no just say grab the fucking rope now all right i dive my head underwater to take a look while grabbing the rope well so where you've landed is not you're gonna have to do some swimming not very far you duck under the water, and as you do that, uh, Jonathan, I'll say you're you're landing. Uh, I need both of you to give me perception checks. There we go. Nineteen. Eleven. You are so intent on Carlton. Yeah, to that's grab fine. the rope. <laughs> yeah, you're like all you can see is his butt as he is swimming away. Yeah, that's fine. I'm gonna air steer over. <laughs> it's a cute butt. And uh, it's a sorry, Nicholas butt. You know, this is like Mario. I can I can air steer on my way over there. And I'm going to try to air steer to, uh, to Carlton, uh, because as soon as I get in contact with him, uh, I'm going to cast Dimension Door. Okay. Whether or not he has my rope or not. Carlton, you see the rope. And because of the way that the waves and the ocean is rolling, the rope is going away from you, coming towards you, going away from you, coming towards you, going away from you, coming towards you. And you... So you see both lengths of rope tied together and you actually see the dagger. You see where it is embedded itself in the coral. It's it's almost hilt deep into a chunk of topaz coral. Are you just trying to grab one of the lengths of rope or are you going to try if to grab... If I feel like I can grab... If it's within like a short dive for it, like I don't have to go like 20 feet down. If I feel like I can go like a little bit more because obviously pressures and stuff like that, I will try to grab the actual dagger itself uh, because the rope has failed me once. You are very confident you can get to the dagger. It is not that much further. In fact, you think it's probably safer to go for the dagger because, once again, the rope is getting swept up in the undercurrent. And so you'd think you'd have to grab it. You're very well aware that normal coral is incredibly sharp and dangerous. And so I do need you to make a dexterity saving throw. This one you do have advantage on because you do see the coral coming. Dex save. All right, 13. Okay. You 
are successful in grabbing the dagger and yanking it out of the coral, it surprises you how deep it is in the coral. Like, it must have been pulled by you and the rock point first into just the right bit of coral. And it takes you an extra moment or two to pull it free. You're going to take five slashing damage. As That's fine. I, I, I deserve that. You're having to maneuver in the water in order to uh, yank this thing free. But you do get it free, and you've got now the dagger with the rope and the rope all tied together. Jonathan, are you immediately swimming towards him to Dimension Door? Yeah, because I got to grab him. Okay. Yeah, and I'll, I'll start. Once I get it, I'll start making my way back to meet him halfway. Okay. Um, and Carlton. when I'm in. Yes. What's your passive perception again? Passive is a 23. Something catches your eye as you yes. grab the dagger and you turn because you've kind of been spun around in the undertow and everything. Uh, and you've been focusing on not getting shoved up against all the sharp coral. And you both do see now that you're under the water and as Jonathan is swimming towards you and as you have grabbed this knife, the coral is coral. It is 100% porous filled with life coral it's just this brilliant topaz it's almost stone except now that you've brushed up against it and it's cut you it is it is very clearly living coral it's just this sheen of of bright blue and so you you've righted yourself and you've maybe swum up like another foot away from the, where the coral actually is so that you're in a safe spot and then something catches you out of the corner of your eye and you turn back towards the island just in time to see a snout. A topaz-colored snout? That's why you see it. Yep. Ooh. Okay. I swim faster to Jonathan. Okay. Jonathan the Metamuscular, having not seen this, grabs Carlton by the, uh, the collar, looks up to the rock, points his finger, and says, what's a good teleportation word? Bamf. Uh, sure. Bamf. Bamf. Just bamf. Nightcrawler. Nightcrawler it up. Yep. So <laughs> and he says it. Bamf like you meant like the national park. <laughs> he just says bamf. And for some reason your your dimension door this time, it's less of a door and more of a swirl of black sulfur colored smoke. <laughs> a sulfur smelling smoke. <laughs> um and I'm assuming that you are landing on back on top of the rock. Yes. Okay. Uh so Jonathan, two things. You are mere moments away from being able to hurl a meteor at my face, so that's why I had to get your dagger back. And two, I saw the dragon. <gasps> oh. In that order, because that's the order I fear things. Okay, I'm just going to take this then, and I'm going to slip <laughs> it back into my belt. Yeah, I saw, his, I saw his snoot, and then that's why I started swimming faster to you. Okay. Um, because, you know, I made our introduction. Okay. All right. Love me. And so Jonathan the Magic Muscular is going to take Bucks, and I'm going to say... Uh, I'm going to tell Bucks, hey, Bucks, I think we saw where it is. Go, uh, don't get too close, but uh, keep your eye on that spot. And I'm going to point to where, or I'm going to have, I'm going to, I'm going to. I'll relay where I saw the snout. Put Bucks up to Carlton so he can point where it is. And then I'm yep. going to be like, good luck, buddy. And I'll say it was when I was like facing the island. So we don't have the, we don't have the telepathic bond, but, uh, but Bucks can still come within a hundred feet of us and, uh, and relay things. Okay, and so you're sending Bucks to fly over that spot where Carlton saw 
the snoot. He's gonna go. He's gonna go around it. He's he can see pretty well. He is an owl, okay. so he doesn't need to get particularly close. Okay. Go ahead and roll a perception check for Bucks. We will do that as his owl eyes hone in. Uh, that is a fifteen. Okay. He circles. Uh, a little over the ocean, a little over the land. Where Carlton saw the creature, it it was hard to tell how far away this snout was, but it was in the direction of the land, but it was well under the water. And he circles, and he can't really see anything. It gets very dark next to the island, like the coral itself ends as the waves are crashing against the side of the cliffs and there is nothing to reflect the light off within several feet of the island and it is just darkness and he sees nothing i'm gonna bring the uh the rock sort of in and be like carlton or actually bernie uh carlton can point out where it is and you can make an introduction I will relay to the entire party where I saw the snout of a topaz. What I assume is a topaz dragon. Because Bernie has thaumaturgy, right? Did Bernie... Here's a very good question. Did Bernie take thaumaturgy? You've used it in the past. I thought you've used it. Yeah, you used it against the hill giants. This is true. I did. When we made a fake dragon. Ah, yes. Uh, Our production of uh, Dragon, the musical. A musical of Dragon, the drama. I have thaumaturgy. Yes, I do. I can just... Something that I've been wanting to do ever since we uh, started messing around with dragons is, quote, one of my favorite childhood books, The Paper Hat Bag Princess. So Bernie, Bernie casts thaumaturgy so that she can be super loud. And she goes, hey, dragon! <coughs> okay. A- anything else or just hey, dragon? It worked for the paperback princess, Lauren. If it worked for her, I've got to assume it works for me. Listen. Dragon came out of its cage. There's there's a lot of things that I would like to have automatically happen just because you saw them in in a piece of media. I'm just asking. Beautiful children's book. That Beautiful. was the yes. first feminist message I got as a child of the you don't need no man variety. You can defeat a dragon. And I'm still not saying that you cannot uh, defeat a dragon. I'm just saying, is that all fine, you are saying is, fine. hey, she goes, dragon. She goes, silver girl eyes, we would like to talk to you if that's okay. We know you don't like anyone, but we figure if you talk to us now, the sooner we talk, the sooner we all leave. Make a persuasion check. Since all my checks, I'm going to assume this one's either going to be a 12 or a 13, because every check I've made today has been a 12 or a 13. Let's find out. Hey, that's a 24. So Ooh, Nice. <laughs> all right. I really love D&D Beyond, and I just click the button, and it does all the math for me. Let me tell you guys. I know, right? It's the best. And the dice rolls. Yeah, I miss rolling real dice. I do, miss so rolling, I do miss rolling real dice. You use thaumaturgy to say this, and you use it loud enough to penetrate the water, because you know, talking underwater, it's going to get muffled. And there is a pause as nothing happens. Can she sigh really deeply, but also while using thaumaturgy? And then Bernie 
you hear a voice in your head. And it's not a voice you recognize. And it says, What are you offering? Oh, can Bertie reply? Uh, You're unsure, but you've been spoken to telepathically before, so... You have to figure... it, it. You've been asked a question. You have to figure that there is a way to respond. Uh, Bertie says, oh, that's good. I like this. Yelling is not my favorite. Why are you laughing? What is it you're in the market for? How much did you bring? We got some stuff. This does... When Bernie says that in her head, does she, like, start pointing at, like... The wand and the dagger. Yes, she yeah, Okay, does. and yeah, yeah, and Jonathan Magimuscular holds up the newly recovered dagger. And Travis Gorris, one of Barker's beauties, will model the wand of polymorph in tow. She says, we have a wand of polymorph. We have a dagger that does... <laughs> What's her dagger do? It's, uh, it's a magic dagger that can banish creatures to uh, back to their home plane. It can banish you a creature that you don't particularly like back to its home plane, which honestly, I figure you might enjoy. Switch it up a little bit. Why? Well, don't you ever get bored? No, why you give this to me? Oh. Well, we heard you were a collector of sorts, but we also thought you might be in the mood for a trade. Trade for what? Are you musically inclined? Why you ask? We're attempting to start a symphony in Waterdeep. What's Waterdeep? It's a city in another plane. Are you offering me the city? No, I don't have that power. I'm hoping you have a musical instrument that you're not particularly using that you'd like to trade for some things that you want. A very long pause. What do you offer to talk? We are talking now, aren't we? What do you offer to talk more? Hmm. What do we else do we have? I start to uh, keep Bernie, it. I know you really like your flying drink, but isn't he a poor flyer? Has Bernie communicated any of this to us? I guess she's trying to keep her mind open in the sense that when she talks to him, she hopes everybody that's occupying her brain can hear. You did Wait, not I didn't, cast... I did not cast a spell. Oh, no. So Bernie is going to muse in her brain and out loud. And she's like, what would I give you in order for you to keep talking to me? And she says, you know, that's the thing about conversations. They are two-way streets. I am just a really good talker. Jonathan the Magimuscular rolls his eyes as no one else has responded and takes out his pearl of power and hands it to Bernie. Wait, oh, this was in all of our minds? I thought it was just in it's her It's just mind. in Bernie. No. She's just... But Bernie she is, is musing out loud. In her head oh. And, and no one has responded. So... Okay. Well, that's, I suggested the, the flying. I, I've got to... I don't want to give this person... I don't want to get rid of their only disadvantage. Okay, okay. okay. but I'm just gonna... I'm just giving up my yeah, magical yeah. shit. That's fine. Here. Bernie just says, I'm... You know, I'm a really good talker. And I feel like you can definitely hear me. And I guess what I'm saying is, what is it that the what is the musical instrument that we're after? The Olin harp. Olin harp. Sorry. And I'll start rifling through the bag of holding. 
and I'll pull out my hat of disguise. I, and, I, oh, I like that. And Travancore will offer up his amulet of proof against detection and location. No, because we need that. We need no, that. No, you will not. Um, well, I see him start to reach for that, and I just push his hand back down. <laughs> and Bernie, Bernie says, "Well, here you have this really nice harp." And we were hoping to offer you some things in exchange for the harp, since you seem to really like stuff. I mean, it seems like you like stuff, but also, it also seems like you live underwater, and that you're I not... do not like talking without stuff. I know, need something to keep thing. talking I with just, you. I just love talking, and I just don't really need anybody to be there like i mean you can hear me and it's just really nice to have an audience other than, oh God. than these three bernie roll a persuasion check at, dis- <laughs> at disadvantage first one's a 27 second one's a 15 though 15 not too shabby bernie's trying to basically make her case without having to give him anything yeah she kept it simple but like we have two things you have one thing if you give us the one thing you'll get two things as you are talking and, you know, stalling a little bit for time and trying to convince this dragon to keep talking with you, it, um, he interrupts you again. Something for time now or I go. Okay. Okay. What was the things that we had, guys? Hat of disguise. Would you like a hat of disguise? Drop in water. And she just... Oh. Tosses the hat off the side of the rock and lets it just. I like to imagine like you toss it like like vigorously and then it just like floats. slowly floats. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly like, what happened. Here, and then you have to like wait like thirty seconds for it to finally settle, yep. which gives you plenty of time to talk while it's falling. It it gently settles onto the top of the water. The waves crash against it, and eventually. It does start to sink. It gets waterlogged and starts to sink. Travancore, Carlton, and Jonathan, go ahead and give me perception checks. As yep. Bernie, you're still chatting with a voice in your head, so you're a little too distracted to keep an eye on this hat. 18. And actually, Travancore, you get advantage because this is d- oh, related to dragons. Well, in that case, well, still 18. Okay. And I'm sorry, Jonathan, what'd you get? 17. Okay. And 26 for Carlton. Jonathan and Travancore, you see a shape in the water, massive, easily bigger than the rock you are flying on. As you are flying away and and continuing your circuit around, it is the proverbial whale of darkness. And you almost see it more because it is blocking the light that is bouncing off of the topaz reef. Carlton, you see the snout. You see the creature. You very clearly see this. That's a big one. More uh, serpentine than... To scale? Um, let me double check. That's big. Uh, That's it's a- gargantuan, so... So four by four. Yeah. As they would say on the internet, that is an absolute unit. It is <laughs> as big as the rock, I should say. It is longer than the rock. The rock is wider, especially with the wingspan. It is this greenish purple serpentine dragon. The wings on it are almost vestigial. You almost don't see them except as little 
side fins almost it's got it what little wings it has are kind of tucked up against its body and it's mostly using its tail and the webbing in between its claws and it is moving incredibly fast it is as fast as the rock is flying this creature swims under the water and all three of you see where the hat has started to descend into the ocean and then it's just gone as this huge dragon engulfs it whether it grabs it or eats it or whatever it does with it but it swoops through that space and then retreats back towards the island and you lose sight of where exactly it goes but the hat is no longer there and bernie in your head after a moment or two you hear acceptable where will we talk where are we gonna where would we on land? talk on land land is nice for us it is neither the sea nor the sky and thus is a wonderful neutral space where exactly Jonathan the Magimuscular is going to look and he's going to see look down at the at the coast and see if there's any particularly like open areas like stuff that doesn't have a ton of trees that can easily be accessed from the water but where like where we might stand a chance you look around and the only open area you see is the end of this island, the point. Because this whole section of the island is on a cliff face, essentially rising out of the ocean, the the surrounding area is very heavily forested. And you can actually now see what Carlton had mentioned a while ago about how the forest, the canopy and below is thick with fog. But you do see... As the end of this island rises up to a epic point at the top of this cliff face, there's a good 30 to 35 feet of rocky, it's almost like a little mountain. It's not quite that steep, but it's something you could stand on leading out of the the trees up towards the point that is the the extreme end of this island. And that's within eyeshot. That is all you can see. But it is a fairly large open-ish area. The rock could actually land there, although it would probably then have to leave or you'd have to dismiss it in order for there to be room to then entertain a dragon. Okay. Bur- uh, Jonathan, the match muscular, is going to tap Bernie's shoulder and he- he's going to point to that the area that you just described. Bernie's going to relay this to Silver Girl Ath. How do you do that? What do you say? I only ask because probably figured out by now the way that he is talking. Tippy top point up there? At top of island? Yeah, top of island. You go first. Okay. Bernie looks at, at Jonathan and says, we have to go first. Okay. And Jonathan the Magimuscular angles the uh, rock down to that point. And assuming that Bucks sees this and flies near, uh, he's going to think to Bucks, we're going to land right over there. Just fly around and keep an eye out. All right. Bucks is going to circle. The rock will gracefully land 
on the patch of open ground at the top of this island, essentially. It's steep, but not treacherous as you all clamber off and find your footing again after flying for a little while. Uh, What do you tell the rock to do? Uh, Jonathan the Magimuscular is going to hop off mage armor and then is going to say, uh, circle around, wider circle than the owl. Return, Return to me when I call. How wide of a circle is Bucks giving? Probably like two, three hundred feet. Okay. All right. So something significant. Okay. So yeah, the rock will, with two massive wing beats, head up into the air again. And it is not just going to go outside of Bucks's radius, but also quite a bit higher you watch as the bucks is probably what 75 100 feet off the ground you would say or do you want him lower uh no no that's fine okay the rock doubles that okay and while it is very clearly still flying around it is giving you an incredibly wide berth and you're all standing there all right this is it Travancore wants to take a look around and see if there's, like, I mean, how how much, like, space do they have until there's, like, the, the woods? And how, like, how much cover would Travancore have if you were to run into the woods, hypothetically? If you were to run into the, the forest, it would not be long before you would have a lot of cover. The trees and the underbrush are thick. You've got about 30 feet from where you are. You're kind of in the middle of this clearing at the top of this island. 30 feet behind you is where the tree line begins and probably another five or 10 feet before you could start ducking behind large trees, hiding in underbrush, that kind of thing. So I'd say 40 feet behind you to the left and to the right are about 30 to 40 ish feet that slowly is coming to a a close, to a tip. So like around you is kind of 30 feet to the left, 30 feet to the right. But as you continue away from the trees, it narrows and narrows and narrows and narrows and narrows. And then about another 20 to 30 feet in front of you is the end of this island. So you've got plenty of space around you and you could get into the woods pretty quickly, especially in, in a double move for any of you. But where you are right now is... Completely exposed. That's fine. Gotcha. Do you guys want me to stick around or do you want me to head to the woods for a little bit of cover or slash insurance? That's that's up to you. I mean, if you fee- if you want to hide yourself before he gets here, that might not be a bad idea. He doesn't know how many of us there are. Okay. Uh, Shadow and Traffic are going to head into the woods. Maybe about as far as we can get in with still maintaining a line of sight and being in range of the arrows. I was about to say, stay <laughs> maintain weapons range. Yeah, weapons range. Your sure. weapons range is, is pretty impressive because you have a longbow. It's like 600 feet or something like that. Uh, yeah, because you took sharpshooter. So yeah. you could be 600 feet, you would lose sight because of right. the underbrush. But yeah, your, your, your practical range is way greater than your actual eyesight range. Let's call it 150. Let me double check something real quick. Yeah, let's call it 125, 130 feet. Okay. So you're going to move 30 feet to the tree line. You'll move another 20 feet in before you feel like you and Shadow could hide. So you're essentially 50 feet from your friends. You feel like that's far enough away that you could hide and you would still have line of sight any further. And you think 
you're going to start to lose sight of your friends. That's fine. Okay. All right. You could move up to 100 feet. We have sharpshooter, so it doesn't matter. So you can move up to 100 feet before you are going to completely lose sight of everything. All right. I'll probably just do, like, I guess... I want to make sure that I have maximum sight of my friends and make sure I could, they're still fairly audible. Okay. Because like, Bernie's still using thaumaturgy, so she'll still be able to hear that piece of it. I, am I still using thaumaturgy? No, she was talking in her head. Yeah. Oh, head. Right, right. I think in the beginning there was using thaumaturgy. Yeah, That's it's right. too bad I couldn't have got off that spell. Oh, well. Oh, well. All right, well, Travancore has keen eyes. And like, I got know. us to the dragon. <laughs> <laughs> you do. Okay, so... I did pray for it to work. I just... Wasn't expecting okay. this outcome. Works in mysterious <laughs> ways, apparently. That's right. Very mysterious ways. There is much to be said for prayer as just the act of taking unspoken wishes and giving them words, giving them shape, giving them form. Whether there's someone there to answer it or not, like, it is a focusing thing that can be done. And while in this fantasy world and where gods are tangible and real... Um, you know Queen Bey is not the kind of person to grant your prayers and wishes in the monkey's paw type of way. This does feel in a strange way like fate smiled upon you and it could have gone better, but it could have gone a lot worse. Travancore, we're going to say you're like 65 feet, especially with your perception. You can still hear your friends. Uh, what are the rest of you doing? Are you going to continue to stand there? Are you taking any of your other precautions? Uh, Jonathan the Match Muscular is going to, hmm, it's not what, what worth now. We've got several parties already out of range. Uh, he's just going to stand by Bernie and, uh. If there was something you wanted to do before Travancore ran off into the woods. No, because it, it would be, it would be, uh, uh, trying to recast a telepathic bond, but we, Travancore needs to get to cover, so we're okay. not. He's not gonna have time. We're not gonna have time for that. Unless you want to burn a spell slot and just cast it, because I think if you cast it regularly, isn't it? Is it action? I actually um, don't know. I didn't. Re- I didn't prepare it regularly. Oh, I only okay. cast it as a, as a ritual. Then never mind. Yeah. I mean, you can always cast a tell bomb for the group that's there. No, I'm gonna use it for something else. And as we're standing there, I'm gonna nudge Bernie and say, "We like no fast retreat, right? That's what we agreed." No fast retreat. Jonathan the Metamuscular swirls his hand around his head, and seven stars appear around it as he casts Crown of Stars with a seven-level slot. Wait, that that's not that's not the one that that's one you used in conjunction with the other crazy spell, but that is not the crazy spell. That is not nope. the crazy spell, no. Because there's a moment where I was like, I know you, and I was like. Did I pull one over on him? No, no. Jonathan the Magimuscular kept his word to the super powerful evoker that could bend gravity <laughs> with more than just a scroll. But you know what? In Bernie's mind now, the seven stars are intrinsically linked to that crazy gravity yeah. spell. Yeah, they sort of are in my mind because there was because you did that in that battle too, and then I you did the big scary thing. So Bernie is kind of like looking at you, and she's like, "Yeah, I mean that totally makes I, sense." I. I because she doesn't know your magic. Like, right. you know, like, mine, like, we know each other. Like, she knows the magic you have, but she doesn't, like, know it the way you know it. And she's, like, looking at the stuff. She goes, is that the big scary no, spell? No, no, oh. no. if this is, uh, no, this is just a precaution. They'll stick around. They might stick around for an hour, and I don't have to use any of them. Or That would be really nice. Yeah. 
Carlton, what are you doing in this last moment? I will take answerer, and I will kind of, like, sheathe it in a way that it kind of hides its nature of being a very powerful magic sword and make it kind of look like a mundane sword. So, like, I'll kind of, like, wrap the handle a little bit so it's not as ornate and all that and kind of just have it sheathed just casually. And I'll, like, put it on the side with the bag halfway covering it, like, shield over there as well, just relax in. All right. Travancore and Shadow, I'd like you to make stealth checks. Oh, yeah. Probably should have cast Pass Without Trace, but I don't think I even need it. Here we go. Not too late. That's true. Yeah, I'll say it's not too late as you are moving in that direction, because that is definitely just an action to cast, so. All right, sure. So Travancore is going to cast Pass Without Trace, and Shadow will be close enough range that it will be effect for both of them. Sure. All right, let's see. So stealth will be added to yeah, 10 to whatever this is. So it's going to be 28. It's not bad. And then for Shadow, what is Shadow Stealthus? Shadow Stealth would be Dexterity. This Dexterity is probably pretty good. <laughs> Natural 20 for Shadow. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> so wait, so what'd Shadow get total? 38. 38, and what'd Travancore get? 28. So Man. the thing you uh, <laughs> without trace. There's a, a disconcerting moment, Travancore, as you and Shadow get into the woods. And you take your eyes off of your heartfelt companion for a moment in order to find a good place for you to hunker down. And when you look back, Shadow's gone. Whoa. And it's only because Shadow sees you the, the moment of panic on your face and instinctually uses one of his uh, slightly warmer claws and like, just taps it very gently onto the packed earth. And then you you are able to hear that tiny little bit of move of movement and sound and see him. And okay, wait, there he is. But there is a moment in where your black bear, armored, glowing black bear, is invisible. <laughs> this amazing. is this is disturbingly similar to something that happened recently with Travancore Jr. But that's a story for another time. Oh, oh no. God, that is like the heart wow. attack. Yeah, that's yeah. the heart attack moment, isn't it? Yeah. Nope, not ready for that. Like the time my sister and I got lost in a Walmart, but going one aisle over from my mom. One time, my brother got separated from us in Red Fort in Delhi, in a place where you know my brother's Malayalam at the time was not great, but no one speaks Malayalam there even. It's Hindi. It's all Hindi, and we don't know any Hindi whatsoever aside from what we knew in the movies. And my nine-year-old American brother, we found either him or a kid who could pass for him, which is a joke that I tell my brother to annoy him to this oh, very day. No! That's funny. No! That's All right. Travancore and Shadow are hidden. The rest of you are as prepared as you feel like you can be. Moments pass. Nothing happens. A minute passes. Nothing happens. Two minutes pass. Nothing it's just the waves. You can hear a couple seagulls in the distance. Go, 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 go. The rock continues to fly its outer orbit, bucks the slightly inner one. You can smell the salt in the air. It's a nice cool breeze. Bernie sighs and she is. Well, I'm not saying I'm surprised. As you say this, in your head, a voice says, Surprised by what? Are you coming or no? Are you there? We're here. And there's a pause, and then you all hear, Goof! Goof! 
It's getting louder and louder. Uh, those of you on the pinnacle feel the ground shake beneath you as rocks fly as the dragon ascends, not flying, but crawling up the side of the mountain. Every time it grabs the rocks with its massive claws to pull itself up, the ground itself shudders and bits of debris go off into the ocean to to fall into the water. And eventually, both of the giant claws get to the top of the cliff face, pulling the front of its bulk up so that you can all now clearly see the snake-like front of the maw, big sharp teeth, white with a pearlescent to them that almost shimmers, the tiny green eyes and the massive frill coming off of its head as the the two webbed claws hold on to the front of the cliff face and the head pokes up, leaning forward a good ten feet to stare at all of you. You can smell and feel the hot breath coming off of this creature as it coldly looks at you, not sneering, not angry or impassive or upset or any kind of discernible emotion, just the the dead stare of a snake. And it then speaks out loud to all of you. Or at least, as far as you can tell, to the ones that it can see. And it says, What offerings do you give? And we'll pause there. Is it too late to say that Travancore would have left the wand of uh, Polymorph as part of the deals before he left? It's yeah, he has got it. Yeah. Okay. It's, Just making sure. You had, you had mentioned that before, so that's fine. Uh, cool. But yes, as Silra Gurlath has climbed the cliff, to face all of you and find out what you're going to offer it. We'll pause there. The next time we get together, it's another chat with a dragon. God, we just do that all the time now. There's a lot of dragon, dragon chat, chats. I don't know, the last chat. one went really well. So for all you know, this one's going to go really well too, but we'll see. Yeah, sure. That's a, that's a thing that's going to happen. Why yeah. not? Yeah. So that image is actually from, uh, and Solar Girl F is based a little bit on, I bought Gem Dragons of Faerun many, 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 many years ago. Oh, man. Written by friend of mine and friend of the show, James Hake, who is oh, nice. the writer oh, for D&D Beyond. This is one of the first things that he put out in DM's Guild, which was oh. Gem Dragons of Faerun, and it is all the gem dragons. And so for a very long time, I've known you know what kind of dragon was going to be hanging out here in fact i got really excited when the sapphire dragon came out uh what was it last year that they put that out i was just like maybe they'll put out more what james wrote is awesome and even then i may have altered it a little bit but yeah that's the art from the book so thank you james hake your dragon is about to engage thank you james with with yeah. my yes. awesome party. But let me give you some experience for that funness that just happened for uh, having a park named after the Rocks Flight, which I, I found kind of awesome. I did like not only the question about are you throwing it into the ocean, but are you going to play the dagger like a flute? 
<laughs> I appreciated as as much as it was ridiculous. I appreciated that y'all ran with the dagger on the the rope. <laughs> Fishing for dragons. Fishing for dragons. I listen. If I'm gonna fight a volcano, I'm gonna fish for a dragon. It's been a very long time since Carlton has rolled anything under a ten, and when you rolled. A single digit on your dexterity check to tie all the ropes. I was like... Three times in a row I rolled single digits on my dexes. I was like, I don't know what dice gods have blessed me today, but it, I'm glad it's these rolls because these are the fun rolls for you to not be successful on. So I appreciated that. And and also I appreciated the fact that Shadow almost broke the mythical 40 in a skill challenge. So close. <laughs> uh, but that natural 20. Yeah, yeah. I mean, 38 is pretty much there. That's... That's epic roguish numbers right there. So for all that, I'm going to give you a total of 9,000 experience to split between the four of you. And the next time we get together, what do you have for me? Thanks for listening to our adventure. If you've enjoyed our show, visit us at DungeonDrunks.com for links to all of our social media, pictures and bio of our cast, a full list of credits, and more. We'd appreciate it if you left us a review, and we would love it if you come support us on Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash dungeondrunks to sign up. Thanks again, and we'll see you next encounter. We appreciate all of our patrons, and extend a special thanks to our top-tier patrons. Thank you, Megan, Lori, a.k.a. Calamity Jane, Sir Narvi and Sailor Tweak, John Adi, Linnea Boyev, Rebecca, a.k.a. Bunny Monster, and Hunted Shadows, LLC.